Grace and peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at youwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Cedar, one of the co-hosts, joined by Isaac Adams once again. How are you, sir? Good to see you in person, brother. I still am, I'm, I'm not over it yet. This is great. Today is election day here in Alabama. It is. There are primaries happening right now. Yes, there are. I moved to recently. I haven't gotten all my registration done, so I did not get to vote yet. Mm-hmm. But it's happening. Wanted to talk about political discourse in the church. Mm. One thing my mom said is never say who you vote for. I think that's really good advice. Mm-hmm. Your mom yeah. was really wise. She was. I wanted to start with a little bit of research, and we've highlighted this in an article on our website. We'll link to this in the show notes. But sociologist Michael Emerson was looking at some data in the U.S. and looking at whether churches after the end of Jim Crow were becoming more or less ethnically diverse. Hmm. And what he notes is that he is totally surprised by the progress Hmm. and increase in ethnic diversity in churches in America from the 60s to now. And he notes it as so surprising and so unexplainable otherwise that it has to be a work of God. Mm. And while that is great news, there was a dip, a regression in that following the 2016 presidential election. So churches which were becoming more diverse became less diverse after Mm. that election. Mm -hmm. So Isaac, when I look at that, I think that Is it just fair to say that politics divides churches? Is that a fair statement or is that an oversimplification? As I hear it, it feels like an oversimplification. I mean, there's ways, I mean, you know me, I'm like, there's ways I could look at that and swallow it, you know, and I'll be like, I'd buy that for a dollar. But partisanship divides politics because I I feel like- Divides churches. Divides churches, sorry, yes. Uh, Because I feel like to accept that premise you just threw out there- is therefore to lead to the conclusion that you should never say anything political. And that's the question, I think, well, what do you mean by political? If you mean telling me thou must vote for X candidate or thou is not a Christian, well, yeah, don't say political things like that. But I think that's more a partisan ideal rather than a political ideal. And we are political beings. It's Jesus, his lordship extends over our politics as well. Uh, so in that sense, sinners divide churches, sin, sin divides churches, and you know, some divisions are not always wrong. But yeah, so that's where I would leave that one. So do you think political diversity is a good thing within a church or a thing we ought to tolerate somewhere in between? I guess you're saying it's a good thing, a bad thing, a thing we should tolerate. I think it's a healthy thing. Somehow the tax collector and the zealot were were in Jesus's crew. He's like, you guys are in a new small group together. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I wonder like, how that went early on. Yeah, I mean, imagine it. Imagine it. And, you know, I love, I think, you know, I think it was Garrett Kell who said this, Matthew learned to love Rome less. Simon learned to love Rome more. They both learn to love Jesus most. That's really good. Math, it's Simon, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Matthew learned to love Rome less. Simon learned to love Rome more. 
and they both learn to love Jesus most. That sounds like a helpful Gary Kellism. It does. And it's, it sounds like the formula you and I need and lots of, lots of us need. We've noted on here a, uh, sort of pastoral observation. We have a, a mutual friend, pastor in DC, who was talking with another local pastor and said, you know, man, how, how have you guys been doing with this contentious election? The same one we mentioned. And this pastor responded, oh, we've been fine because we're not diverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that kind of, what that pastor means is we've been fine. We haven't had any kind of beef, right? And that's where I want to encourage folks who are like, oh, my church is full of beef. I'm like, hold on, you know, in drama and tension. I'm like, well, hold on. I get why that's discouraging. No one likes a, a nasty email. No one likes a nasty Facebook post, all those things. And some of that is really sin that needs to be dealt with and repented of. So I'm not saying, you know, yeah, go ahead and sin against each other, but it can be a sign of life in that different-minded people are actually coming together. There will be, by necessity or by definition, clashing. That happens. Well, I want to distinguish, too, between the, the presence of different opinions and disunity. Yes. Because those are two very different things. Those are two extremely different things. And it's, it's worth noting here, uh, just a cursory look at the polling suggests that most people who identify as white evangelicals, most white folks who identify as evangelicals or something like that, you know, these, these terms mean a million different things. Correct. Most people who think of themselves as white Christians vote Republican. Yeah. Most people who think of themselves as black Christians vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. We can get into all why that is, but when people whom God has saved come together as family and they bring these different political opinions with them, that doesn't have to be a fight. No, it doesn't have to be. It can be, we can celebrate around what just, who and what just saved us and what we're saved in. And so that's not to say that some, that we don't have positions that don't ever need to change or be challenged, but it is to say those things don't have to change or be challenged for that person to be my brother and sister in Christ and for me, therefore, to treat them as such. So we've gotten uh, into this on the podcast a few times of sort of theological triage. Yeah. And what do I need to agree with somebody about in order to fellowship with them as a Christian right. or be at the same church with them? Right. So are you filing most political issues in tier three as we can be members at the same church together? Uh, this is not a gotcha question. Uh, no, I, you would never ask one of those. No, not to you. <laughs> most, but the problem is the couple that I wouldn't are the very ones that people are most impassioned about. Like mo- most people are just not arguing about the tax break per se of any, and you know, I'm sure someone even take issue with that statement, but I'm trying to grab something that doesn't fire people up in some of the ways the bigger issues will. Well, I mean, I, I think we can think of a couple. So Christians need to agree that gun violence is bad but we can have very different approaches to what we think should be done about it. Very true. Right. I would. So yes, that I would put in tertiary. I guess what I'm saying is existentially someone feels like that is a two or a one issue. Well, well, someone's going to put that in like, you can't be a Christian if you think that or right. this or that, which is exactly what you're getting at. It actually is in tier three. Right. We should be able to be in the same church and be like, you want stricter gun laws, I want looser gun laws. But then Buffalo happens, and that's why these things get so explosive. Yeah. And 
So in just thinking about this, what should my attitude as a church member be to a fellow church member who I know has different politics than me? Your attitude should be fundamentally they have the same savior as you. So I just want to I want to pick up your eyes off the different politics. I'm glad you care about them. You care about them because you care about justice. You care about justice because you're made in the image of God. But wait, they are made in the image of God, too. And they just happen to see things different, differently than you. And that's okay. It's actually a good thing because you don't have, you're not omniscient. You can't see everything. Neither can that person. So God in his wisdom has put us together to figure out how to love one another so we can show the world Jesus really is legit. And that's why, so I was looking up my path. Can I just hop into something I said? You can do whatever church. you like. Thank you. Uh, I wish more people would say that to me. Uh, we can we can edit that if you want <laughs> if you feel like keeping your job uh, on on Sunday I prayed in the pastoral prayer which is I mean I, I say things in sermons but I think the prayers are really you know you prayed in our church after the horror of Buffalo uh, what what happened there and then I prayed again for it I mean can't really pray too much about that and so we prayed um I'm trying to find the part. Oh, I just prayed that we would come into, as a church, relationship with and partnership with black and brown churches, and that the Lord would help us to display a unity that would shock the world and show people that the Father really has sent the Son. And I prayed the Lord would do this in Birmingham and show us where we need to change, to bend, to move toward people who Birmingham's history says we should stay away from because Satan has a vested interest in segregation. It tells the world Jesus might be strong, but he's not strong enough to overcome the barriers of race. And insofar as the political differences co-vary with the racial differences, Satan has a vested interest in that. In partisanship. In partisanship. He's like, yeah, don't mix with them over there. They can't be saved by the blood of Christ. And I want to be really careful with that uh, because, you know, the folks to the left who are darker will go one way. The folks to the right who are lighter will go one way. And the church will look not all that impressive to the world. Well, I wanted to spend a minute talking about why that is. Why do different groups lean in different directions? Because in our flesh, I think we are tempted to say, because they're not as smart as godly, or as smart as, or godly as me. But I think it should just be clear that what we're doing when we're making political decisions, pretty much all of the time, is choosing, according to our best guess, you know, an imperfect solution to a big, complicated problem. And most votes, every candidate, and most issue votes are some kind of compromise. Which is why we're being so careful to say there's not a Christian party or, you know, the, the, the Christian candidate you must vote for. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really complicated thing. And so unless you're going to start disciplining people over it, you better be really careful with it. And I think, but I think quickly in our minds, we start excommunicating people, you know. You did this. You're out in my mind, in my affections. Well, you just preached through Colossians here at Iron City and looking at the Gnostic heresy that the, the Colossians were tempted to believe. Part of that Gnostic heresy depended on just this higher level of secret knowledge that the, you know, once you get further in, 
to the cult, then you gain more knowledge and then you're special. Mm -hmm. Then you're the real Christians. Mm -hmm. And man, I think we can, there's nothing new under the sun, you know? Yes, yes, we're all saved, but real Christians vote like me. Yeah, and I think there's just there's just a tendency in us to over-prescribe where God has not prescribed. And it's a, it's a hard conversation because parties are changing, things are shifting. So I want to be clear about that. But it's just, I mean, that's we're doing a different thing, especially in the church of God and with the book of God. Um, while instructing, you know, so I prayed in light of the, I pray a lot of things from the pulpit. Yeah. If a person is inclined towards partisanship, they're going to be mad at you most weeks. Probably. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's praying in light of Katanji being elected to the Supreme Court, uh, and recognizing common grace and progress in that praying in light of abortion and Roe v. Wade and the obvious conversations around that praying in light of Buffalo. But what I would like to see is like, there's a different way to, there's a different lens to look at this than merely political battling. Yeah. There's just kind of humanity at one level and recognizing what God is doing in image bearers and praying for the just ordering of society and for justice to be done and for God's justice to be done. And so I'm, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tick above, I'm trying to score points with this team, and i got to make sure I score points with the other team. It's like Those are very different things. Those are, those are different things. And, and so I'm just not, I hope we rise above that kind of fray in our churches, political fray. Yeah, I hope so too. So going back to the question of how to think about your fellow church member, is it your job to change their mind? No. I mean, you can... God changes people. Boy, am I learning that as a pastor. It's just like God changes people. You can, you have very, very, very limited capacity to change anyone fundamentally. And shame and guilt are not devices of any kind of lasting and true change. Coercion does not bring about change, at least beyond any kind of superficial level. And it certainly doesn't turn anyone's heart toward you in affection. It just produces you know, rote perfunctory behavior or aggression and division. So even like acknowledging that God is the one who changes people, we still play a role in sort of sharpening and disagreeing and that of sort course, of thing. Of course, and we can persuade, we can have good conversations. But I guess what I'm asking is, if I see someone in the church with different politics than me, is that a problem I need to go try and solve? No, not necessarily. I mean, it depends, like, because we can drive a truck through that, depending on the politic, sure, or the, the certain political position, sure. Um, what I guess what I'm getting at, man, is like, you can focus on how everyone else needs to change, or you can focus on the change you need to change and the change that needs to be done and wrought within you. And I hope we come to church with, Lord, what work do you have to do in my heart today? in my heart here. And perhaps you've put this person of a different mind in this church and they're making a different calculation so that I would change, right? So I, I trust the Lord had work for Matthew's heart and work for Simon's heart and both of them. And I just don't think, the scripture doesn't give us that much about their relationship other than that we know they were in one. 
and we presume it was good. It wasn't as bad as Judas's relationship with Jesus. And so I don't I don't want to necessarily like what I want for my people going back to Colossians is for that person to change more into the image of Christ, not for that person to change more into the image of my voting block. That's not a win. There are plenty of Republicans in hell. There are plenty of Democrats in hell. So that's that's not what I'm ultimately after is conformity to this politic, this political position, this political ideology. Insofar as those things line up with Christ, praise God. But like we have more than that going on in the church. It's not just merely a political bat, another political arena. The the arena, there's already a victor, Christ, Lord. He won. So we're serving him and we give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And we work for the good of our brothers and sisters and we bear with them and love them and pray for them. And just as they're bearing with us, loving us, praying for us. That's so good. I think what you're getting into there is just the difference between, you know, what is your primary mission? What's your, what's your primary hope? What's your primary goals? Is, is your church involvement an expression of your partisanship or is your political involvement insofar as you are involved in expression of your discipling, discipleship of Christ? Yeah. 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 And I, so I'm not trying to just say, I'm not, you know, there's lots of people I know and love who are deeply involved in politics. And I think they're doing good work in the public square. I'm not saying be all political, but kind of to your triage point, we just simply have to keep our priorities in check. And even if shocker, someone else is wrong about something that does not give me the right to mistreat them to someone said this to me that's really helpful this this kind of goes into like that toolkit or kind of principles you need to have in mind as you seek strive for unity right and strive to love that's what we're striving for right is okay there can be differences of of opinion that doesn't mean we're we necessarily are there's disunity there's acrimony or anything like that people can disagree with you and that's on some things and that's okay right? And of course, the rub is finding out what those some things are. We've talked about that. But here's another thing. Folks have the God-given, someone said this to me, just as a pastor, and this was useful. Folks have, let people have their God-given right to think for themselves. That's really good. You are not the Holy Spirit, and I am not the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, you and me are talking about something, and I just, I'm like, Austin's wrong about this. He's just wrong. There's not, but, but do I cram it down your, no, I like maybe the way you get at a right position is by thinking about it and you doing your own thinking and me being okay with you doing your own thinking because you have your own right to think through things. Now, of course, in the church, we're not saying anyone has the right to think whatever they want about whatever they want, but they have the right to think as an image bearer. And so I want to let that person think through something and be like, and that's kind of how sanctification works. Like, yeah, I would change what I said a year ago, or I would change where I was five years ago. I've thought about it more and I've changed. And we just got to give people the space to think, the space to change and not act as if we've arrived. We're just waiting on them to hurry up and catch up and, and recognize we too are growing in conformity to Christ. That's really good. And You've mentioned differentiating between things that you can agree or disagree on without giving you, Christian, 
just a, an exhaustive list, I would encourage you to engage with your church's statement of faith, if yes. your church has one. Yes. These are things, so in, in our polity, in the way our church runs, every member has to sign the statement of faith. These are the things which we are covenanting together. We will agree on these main things in order to do life together. And if something isn't on that and doesn't, you know, isn't very closely connected with it, then it's not caused to disrupt fellowship. Yeah, and I think sometimes we can, we all carry our own kind of personal statements of faith, and we act as if my statement of faith is the church's statement of faith, and that's the difference. This that's is. Where you get in trouble. That's where you get in trouble. And that's why I'm like, yeah, that person's out of my church in my mind because they're not agreeing to my statement of faith. But my statement of faith and the church's statement of faith are different. And that's okay. Mine is longer than the church's. I have my own conscience, my own. That's okay. Just don't pin it on someone else. Any other practical tips just as we, as we close out and thinking through ways Christians can do this better, love each other better? Well, we've talked about just just kind of maybe if we can summarize, we talked about someone can disagree with you on some things and it's okay. Uh, I saw Esau McCauley said tweet this. That brother is wise. Yeah, and he said there are lots of people who disagree with me on the internet, and I'm fine with that. I thought that was just such a. I felt free when he like I was just like I'm fine. With, man, there are Austin. There are people who disagree with my Christian. We're one day closer to heaven. Tweet. Yeah, on Twitter, that's not surprising. You'd be shocked. I wouldn't at this point. <laughs> you wouldn't, but, but like just the the pushback I get, the the doubting I get, the scorn I get for the thing, and I'm like, wow. I mean, sorry. I just, yeah, I disagree with your. Anyway, I won't even get into that. Anyway, people can disagree with me about some things and it'll be okay. Um, that I'm not the Holy Spirit, and I want to respect people's God given right to think. So, I mean, I think even those two kind of principles are just two good starting positions. And if you start there, you'll just be, I think you'll do a world of good. And I do think we want to pray for people. I mean, you can, you can talk about that person all you want to God. I hope your prayer life isn't consumed with just one other person's mind changing, but you can pray about it. If it's such a big deal, then ask God to change your mind and maybe ask God to change your mind in the process anywhere it needs to be changed. Amen that kind of humility is good. And just to circle back on something we said really early on, the presence of different opinions is a healthy thing. Yes. And something that we should especially hope for in the church, right? Like we shouldn't be viewing church as a place where everyone thinks exactly like me about everything. Well, do you want to open us in prayer? We can pray this for our church since we're members of the same church now. Amen. Amen. Let's do that. Father, we pray. Um, for our own local congregation here in Birmingham, we pray for uh, your church around the world. Lord, this isn't even just an American phenom, Lord. We know that tribes in Africa have their own political persuasions, and that threatens to divide the church. We know that this is what people, us sinners do. We balkanize wrongly. And so, Lord, anywhere we need to draw lines, help us to draw them. But anywhere we need to erase lines, help us to erase them, Lord. Uh, because we can easily just draw too many lines in this polarized age. So help us to stand where we need to stand, to love where we need to love, uh, and to love uh, even those who we would think of as enemies. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, we pray for Christians to be discerning 
Um, and we pray for Christians to be humble. We ask that you root out the worldly instinct that we have to divide among all the lines the world divides over. And Lord, we pray that uh, love for you and love for our fellow believers and a trust in your work in all of our lives would lead us to be okay being disagreed with and lead to more unity in all of our churches. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, thanks so much for listening. As always, you can find more about our work at youwepray.com. Grace and peace. Oh.